Thank you for joining us for the study of God's Word today. Grab a Bible and listen carefully as God will be speaking to us through His Word today. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Well, good morning. It's a, it's a pleasure to be with you this morning and open the Word of God. And um, You know, the Westminster Confession of Faith says that what is the chief end of man but to know God to delight in Him and to enjoy Him forever. And so my hope is that after this time together in the Word of God that we will live here knowing Him more, loving Him more, and that you may go on and enjoy Him more. For He is wonderful and He is worthy. Our trying God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who has saved us and redeemed us. But before I get started, I do want to share with you some praises and we heard about uh, Beach Reach from Pastor Drew and how God is working there and with the young people in spring break in the midst of all that but we also had a team go to Honduras this past week and so they landed last night and I know there's some of them here that are just they're just on it for the Lord because they're here this morning uh, if you're here from the Honduras team can you raise your hand so they went out there can we give them a clap in, in the name of the Lord because They uh, sacrificed of their time and effort, and they were obedient as they got that call from the Lord to go. And I heard great testimonies. You'll be hearing about that in detail next week as the whole team comes up and shares. And we see what the Lord did over there in Rotan and the villages and clean water and medical missions were done. And I know testimonies of people coming to the Lord. So we praise God for that. And thank you, Mabel. And I don't see uh, Brother Jesus, but they, they co-led the team. And so we thank you for that. I just want to acknowledge our team. Well, as I prepared for this message, and Pastor Mike just kind of said, hey, uh, you know, just just got free reign. So I was thinking, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, well, let me, let me think about that. And I know he's been going through the end time series, but as I was thinking through it, I was looking back at my life, and this past three years, they've been kind of strange, at least for me, I don't know for you, but it all started with this global pandemic where I've never experienced that before. And then just when you thought things were getting okay, we had killer bees where I was at in Michigan. And I'm allergic to bees, so I really didn't want to go outside. And then when we just thought we had the last vaccine, another one came out. And before I could know it, now we're in the middle of this Russia invading Ukraine and all sorts of things. And gas is skyrocketing. And, and it's just been strange. And so I said, Lord, what, what, what is going on? And really what he showed me is that behind all that, there was something that was going on with me, my family, and I saw it around the church and in the world. And that is that there was a spirit of fear, of anxiety, of worry everywhere. Everywhere I went, there was discussions about what would happen next and how worried I am how anxious I am. And so today we want to look at a passage where the Lord is going to address that directly. And what he's going to do, he's going to give us a command. And then he's going to tell us what that command means and how we apply it to our life. What it looks like, he's going to give us examples. He's going to tell us why we end up worrying so much in life. And then he's going to tell us the answer of how to stop worrying 
and how to abide in his peace. You know, it's interesting that fear and, and anxiety and worry tends to multiply. You know, there's the story of the man who was so overwhelmed by his worries, so he went to the bridge and he was ready to jump. But a cop saw him, so he stopped and he went and he said, Sir, please stop. If, if you just give me a chance, let me tell you all my worries. And if they outweigh your worries, then would you reconsider your decision? So the man agreed and the cop began to share his worries with him. And at the end, the man looked at the cop. They both grabbed their hands and they jumped together. <laughs> See, worry multiplies. And it overwhelms us. But that's not what the Lord has for us. And that's not what the Lord wants for us. So if you would turn to Matthew, we're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, verse 6, starting in verse, uh, chapter 6, starting in verse 25. And we're going to go all the way to verse 34. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. And so a little bit about the Gospel of Matthew. This is where the Lord uh, used Matthew to speak to the, to the Jews primarily. And what he's doing in this Gospel is he's presenting Christ as a fulfillment of all that Jews were looking for. All the promises. He is the new Moses. He is the new King of Israel. He is the promised King. He is the Savior, the Messiah. That was to come. And so here in chapter 6, he stands up and he begins to preach in Mount. And it is where he is really setting himself up as a new Moses, giving us a new law. And there's a commandment here for us. Now, thankfully, in Christ, we're not under the law. We're not under the judgment of the law or the consequences of the law. But we are under grace. But we are still to follow the Lord. He says, who are the ones who love me? And John is those who do but I ask them to. Those who obey me are the ones who love me. So we obey and we follow the law, not out of compulsion of fear or judgment, but out of love because we've been loved first. And so the Lord is going to give us in this uh, sermon as the new Moses, this new law to his new people, which is both Gentile and Jew, all together in Christ, some things that we are to do in life. And so starting there in verse 25, here's a commandment. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can you or any of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. 
And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The commandment is really simple. Don't worry. Let me say that again. Don't worry. When you lost that job, don't worry. When that relationship didn't work, don't worry. When the diagnosis came, don't worry. That is the command of the Lord. It's been a great sermon. We'll see you next Sunday. <laughs> now, it's not that simple, right? There's more here that the Lord has for us. But the command is straightforward, is to not worry. You know, there's that joke of that man who, he was so overwhelmed with his worry, so he, was, he had a lot of money, and so he decided to hire someone to worry for him. So he went to put an ad, and he said, I'll pay somebody $100,000 a year to just worry for me. So somebody went, applied, and they got the job, and he went on the first day of work, and he said, Oh, sir, how am I going to get paid? Well, that's the first thing you need to start worrying about. <laughs> you know? Worry, it's real. Worry is, it's part of our lives. But here in the Greek word is the word merimanate. And the Lord says, do not worry. And what that word really means is to be pulled in every direction because you are over-concerned with the details and have lost sight of the big picture. Let me say that again. To worry here is to be concerned, over-concerned with the details and being pulled in every direction because you have lost sight of the big picture. Now, worry is not concern. It's okay for us to be concerned. We are to be concerned about things of God. We are to be concerned about things that are going on in the world. But concern does not keep us up at night. Concern does not take over your life. Worry does. Worry becomes your God. Concern is the first signal that we must come to God in prayer. But worry becomes what controls our life. So the Lord says, do not worry when things happen in this world because they will happen. He told us to expect that. In John, he said, in this life, you will have many trials, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And in our elder reading, it says, do not be anxious or worry about anything but in all things, through prayer and petition, make your request known to God. And His peace which transcends all understanding. None of us here can put together all of our brains and still we would not understand the works of God and how He works to bring peace to our soul. We'll cover our minds in His Son, Christ Jesus. So if you take anything from the sermon is when you leave, 
and you're prone to worry. Maybe you're worrying about your kids. Will they come back to the faith? Why are they in that relationship, Lord? Why are they making those decisions? The Lord says, don't worry. I have a big plan. Now be concerned. I'm concerned about my son. But don't let that take over your life. Let the Lord take over. And here's the reason, because here's why we worry. Look at verse 36 here. It says, you of little faith. You of little faith. So the Lord is not saying you don't have faith. He's saying that when we worry, we have reduced our view of who God is. When we have the correct view of who God is, who is a big God, who is a God who has overcome death, resurrected, who has created all things, then we can rest assured that he is faithful and that he will work all things out for the good of those who love him and that were called according to his purpose. Worry comes when we lose sight of how big and how great our God is. I've been guilty of this. When my wife was diagnosed with cancer, I forgot how big my God was. I thought God was big enough to provide for me a job. He was big enough for me to provide a wife and help me be a dad and a husband. But when cancer came and I was helpless, all of a sudden my God wasn't big enough. And God had to work in my heart and remind me that he's the Alpha and the Omega. That he's the beginning and the end. That he's the firstborn out of creation. That he is supreme in all things. And that cancer cannot stand a chance before our living God. And he showed himself faithful as he has throughout the narrative of scripture to Israel and not to us. If you were to look back at the last years and see the hand of God in your life, you would know that he never failed. That he never left you nor forsake you. It says in Psalm 27 that though a mother or father may leave you, says the Lord, I will take you up. So don't worry. If you are prone to worry, instead, pray. Every time worry comes in, pray. I love in Psalm 27, it's a picture of David saying, when I was worrying about all these enemies coming after me, I went and sought refuge in the mighty fortress that is my God. And I longed to be in the sanctuary and dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When you start to worry, don't go into worry. Go into the house of the Lord and dwell in him. And because of the Holy Spirit, we're now the house of the Lord. And so go into the Holy Spirit, pray and say, Father, I need your shelter. I need your peace. I need your help. Because I don't see the way out of this one. But he does. He's a shepherd. We're just sheep. Our vision is limited. The shepherd can see beyond. And he knows what is there. 
So the commandment is simple is don't worry. It's okay to be concerned and to discern and, and to come to the Lord and ask for counsel. But don't let that take over your life. Number two, what is the definition? Is well, worry is concern gone haywire, out of control. And what is the reason? Because we have lost sight over God. We have reduced Him from being omnipotent and all-powerful to, well, God, you can only work on some things. Let me worry about the other things. And I love how he gives us illustrations. And you would think there would be this elaborate illustrations full of, uh, you know, historical accounts and stuff. No, the Lord is there, and all of a sudden he tricks her people, and he says, look at the birds. Just a bird flying around. Look at the bird. And so as I was pondering on that, I said to my son, let's go outside and just do some bird watching for a while. I've never done that. And I went out there just to look at what birds are like, and they are the most carefree animal I've ever seen in my life. They just fly around, they eat, they'll poop on you if you let them. <laughs> They're just flying around with no care in their lives. So I think there's something to be said about that, why the Lord picked them. But if you look at the context of their time, birds were not the most liked animal, per se. They were an agricultural society, so for them, their first and primary means of sustenance was their crops. So they depended on rain and on birds not eating their food. And so all of a sudden, the Lord looks at something that is probably despised with more people and says, look at this animal that most of you guys don't like. That is just kind of carefree and if, if he doesn't even toil or do anything, nor store in bars, he doesn't do anything. He just waits for the Lord to provide and then he eats. Your father feeds him. How much more is he not going to feed you? I truly believe because of this passage with all my heart that if you are a son or a daughter of the living God, that he will provide for his people. You may be in a war, you may be in a drought, gas may go all the way to $20 a gallon. The Lord will provide for his people. He showed us that in the Old Testament when Elijah was there and the land was being judged because of Jezebel, the Lord provided for him. Now it was kind of gross. It was regurgitated food in the mouths of a bird. But he provided what he needed. And then when he sent him to the woman's house. And he said. All I have is this little bottle with oil. To make one cake. For me and my son. But you say that your God says to trust you. And to make this cake for you. And that he will take care of us. And so she obediently did. And what happened to that jar of oil. It never run dry. If the Lord is calling you in a time of drought. To sacrifice. Trust him, because he will provide. He provides for his people. Now it says here that the Lord knows you need these things. And our, our God is so loving because he reigns on the righteous and on the unrighteous. There's many who reject him. They still haven't bowed down the knee or received his son's sacrifice at the cross for them. And yet the Lord provides for them rain, breath, 
provision. But it also says that when it comes to the end, he will take care of his people primarily. So if you don't know the Lord today, my, my plea to you is come and receive the abundance of his grace, the abundance of his mercy, because you were been separated from him. But he has sent his son, he has given everything, he has given the most precious thing he could ever give you. That is the life of his son. And if he has given his son to you, how much more is he not going to give you provision for eternity? So if you don't know the Lord today, all you have to do is repent of your sin. Stop being in a religion and come into a relationship. Stop ignoring the Lord. Make yourself right with him and say, I'm sorry. I receive your son's forgiveness of my sins. I believe in his death and resurrection. Lord, I give my life to you. Here I am. So giving you the commandment is simple. is don't worry. Doesn't mean not to be concerned. I've told you why we worry. The Lord says it's because we've lost sight of him. And we are to worry because, we, I mean, we're, we're built to worry because we look around our world. And how many of you guys have seen the movie Lego, Lego World? Yeah, I have a six-year-old, so. <laughs> Anyways, there, there's this, this Lego man, and he walks around, and everything's falling apart. But he's just walking around singing this song, everything is awesome. Everything's awesome. He just walks around like the jolliest man while everything's falling apart. The world wants you to believe that, that everything's awesome. But no, everything's not awesome. There's been a fall. There's been a curse on the earth. Sin has taken over. And the earth and all of us are waiting upon the redemption of God. So yes... We are going to worry, we're going to be concerned because we know that sin is just knocking at the door, whether it's our own propensity to sin or those around us or just the curse of the earth because it's been separated from God. But God has come in to redeem and restore until the day of glorification when we stand without sin before him in blemish and he redoes all things in the new heavens and the new earth. So we, we live with hope, not with worry. We live with concern, but not with worry. Then there's all the answers from the world. If you look at verse 24 before this passage, it says that no one can serve two masters. The Lord begins to address money. You cannot serve God and money. Why would the Lord say that? And it says, therefore, so there's a connection there. See, a lot of people think that maybe our worries will go away if I just hit the lotto, right? If I just get that million dollars, I'll be all set. I have all my bills paid. My life will be in order. But the reality is that more money brings more problems. And money is not the answer to worry. I think money just makes it even more. If you're not mature enough, if you don't have the self-control of the temptations that money will bring you with that kind of amount of money, then it's just going to be worse. If you look, there's books written about people who have won the lottery and 90% of them ended up with a life worse than what they had before they won the lottery. 
So money is not the answer to worry. So now what is the answer that the Lord gives us to worry? Look at the last verse. On verse 33 it says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. The important word there is first. There's a lot of things that God cannot do. Yep. God cannot sin. That is contrary to his nature. To his nature. God cannot lie. He cannot sin. He cannot be unrighteous. But another thing that God cannot do is he cannot be second in our lives. That is not his proper place. Because of who he is, he deserves none other than first place in our lives. And what that means is, you know, we can say that and, and we can say that around church or with our family. I can say, yeah, God is first. But I'm still making the decisions. So what it means for God to be first in your life is that when you have that discussion with the Lord about this job you're going to take, he wins the decision. When you, make, when you have that discussion with the Lord about this relationship you're going to get on, he wins the decision. When you talk to the Lord about your money and finances, he wins the decision. One thing is to say the Lord is first. The other is to actually him be first. Because every decision that you make, the Lord has told you what to do and you have done it. Even if it bothers you, even if it's something you don't understand. The Lord didn't call us to understand him fully. He said to trust him fully. So you want to know the secret to worrying? You want to stop worrying? Then just ask the Lord what is his will and do it. Maybe you're worrying today in your home because he's called you, man, to lead your house, but you have not led it. And you have just been there passive. And you have let your wife or someone else lead your family. So there's going to be worry in your house. Until you step up and you say, yes, Lord, I will lead my family. Once a week, we're going to open up the word of God. We're going to be at church. And you're going to be first for us. Me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Maybe you've been waiting for an answer to prayer. And the Lord hasn't answered yet, or he said, wait, and like Abraham and Sarah, you said, I'm going to take Hanson to this, and I'm going to make it happen. And now you're in a bunch of trouble, and it's keeping you up at night. Just repent, leave it to the Lord, and the worry will stop. I tell you this, not only because the word says this, but because of my own experience, I've failed many times. Thank God of his grace and his love. The last thing I want to leave you with is that the Lord says throughout this whole passage, he, he doesn't say God, God. He says Father, Father. Later on, he tells us in another gospel that when a son goes to a father and he asks for food, he doesn't give him a rock or a serpent. And us being early fathers full of faults, we love our children Mothers, you love your children. You're not going to give something bad to your son or daughter. 
how much more your Father who's perfect in heaven not going to give you what is good and what you need. I don't know for you, for me, my dad left when I was two years old, so I didn't get a chance to see an early father demonstrate and, and show me what a godly father was like and what my heavenly father was supposed to be like. But thank God when he saved me at 20 years old, he showed me what a father he is. And he's a good, good father. You can live with that. You know, I was talking to one of our brothers here in the church and I was asking for some financial advice as we were moving to making some decisions and he's very wise on this and he told me about how you know when he gives advice some people end up investing in the market and not sleeping at night and so what type of personality I was and all these things and at the end of the day I realized that all of us want to invest in the most secure investment we can find that gives the highest return. We want the most secure investment that is not going to fluctuate, and we want the highest return. There's only one place where you'll find that, and that is at the cross, where Jesus was faithful unto death, and it will not be shaken. He said, It is finished. When it was finished, death was finished. When it was finished, the demons and principalities were disarmed. When it was finished, your sin was forgiven, as east is from the west. There is no more secure place than the cross where Jesus laid down his life once and for all. And his love will never go up and it will never go down because his love is perfect. And when you stake your life on the cross of Jesus Christ, your return is unlike anything you would ever get on earth. He says that it's the inheritance of his son is for you and me who are in Christ Jesus. The Lord said, as Pastor Mike last sermon, he says, I am going away to prepare a place for you and no ear or eye or Mind has thought, heard, or even understood what the Lord has in store for those who love Him. If you want to stake your life in anything, stake it on the cross, stake it on Christ Jesus. Now, you want to worry about something. There is one thing we all are to worry about. Thankfully, for us that are saved, we don't have to. But that is to fall in the hands of a holy God. The Lord said himself, do not fear the one who kills the body, but fear the one who kills body and soul. There is a day of judgment, and if you don't know the Lord, and you have not received his son's love, his act of grace for you, the Lord will bring judgment. And I say it with tears in my throat, because Moody said once, if you are to go to hell, let them go with their arms wrapped around them. But the reality is true. We cannot shy away from that. God is both holy and love. And one day he will judge. So if you don't know him, come to him now. Today is the day to receive grace and mercy. To have provision for eternity and not have to worry. Because in him, there's abundance. The Lord said, I've come that they made life and life to the fullest. So my prayer for you and for me today is this week that as we go out, 
If we are prone to worry, as the hymn says, let us turn our eyes to him and come into his sanctuary through prayer and petition to make our requests known to God and his peace, which transcends all understanding, will cover our minds in Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father God, we are so thankful and in awe for what you have done for us. Lord, you are you're a good, good father. And you send your son to die for us. And we rejoice, Lord, in the salvation that we have. And we ask that as we go out today, Lord, that you be with us. And that when we look at the things around us, Lord, or the world falls apart, that we find ourselves safe in you. Our strong and mighty fortress is our God. Lord, be with every family and be with us this week as we move on to seek you, to love you, and to enjoy you forever. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.